Welcome to the Fatty Z Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy. Joining the phone, I have a barely alive Steve. Hi, Steve. <laughs> barely alive is about right. What's going on? <laughs> Not too much. This is going to be like a little special uh, Thanksgiving storytelling kind of uh, podcast here. Um, as you guys can tell, you know, probably maybe not as well as I can because I talked to him for about 10 minutes already. Uh, he's not feeling well, and it's just it, it's a crazy time of the year with the holidays and family and stuff. So we're going to crank this one out. Um, I'm not going to waste a whole lot of time here. So uh, this show is brought to you by Fatty Z Muskie Products. FattyZMuskie.com is the website. Currently, I am sold out of slants. However, um, they are going on the machine. We have the blanks cut. We are making a making a bunch. It's kind of the slow time of the year, so it kind of fell in a a, a good time for uh, you know to kind of run out of inventory because people aren't generally saying I'm fishing right now. It's 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 more hunting season, holiday season. So uh, we are making those the aluminum clam shells. I am getting very near completing you know a run of those uh, i still have slants and uh rail mounts and what have you so if you're looking to set up a boat reach out facebook instagram or the website bait wise we'll be starting to make baits here probably closer to the beginning of the year like we have been forever so um be on the lookout for those during show season we will be at the musky max plus that's right down by steve and the dates escape me but it's early march Cannonsburg, Princecape Arena, great venue. Uh, Leah parties do a fantastic job. So um, that's coming up. That's coming up real quick. And um, so mark your calendars for that. Big thanks to Ranger Boats. You can find all your Ranger needs at Vicks Marine Sports Center. That's in Kent, Ohio. New boats, used boats, sales, service, all that good, happy stuff. Um, be sure to check them out. Big supporter of Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, who is also, I'm kind of way out of whack on this. So Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, mcfishingguides.com. That's Vance. That's Todd. Right now the, the season's winding down. I know Todd has kind of hung it up for the year. Vance is grinding it out. Um, if you've seen his post recently, uh, something about a man with a high IQ and there's snow all over his boat. Um, he's still out there. <laughs> He's still he's still going after it, um, but they are booking for next year. So reach out to them, Facebook, Instagram, uh, through their website to get everything that you're going to need um, information-wise there. Uh, St. Croix Rods, best rods on earth. So if you're out looking for a rod, uh, St. Croix probably has something that's going to cover just about any of your needs. Um you can pick them up, touch them at many big box stores, so uh, mostly made in the USA. And, um, yeah, we love them. Aqua Traction. You're looking for a uh, updated floor covering in your boat? Uh, be sure to check out Aqua Traction. They've got a really good Instagram page going and uh, top-notch stuff. 100% closed-cell polyethylene foam. It's stain-resistant. It doesn't peel. It's like waterproof it's great this stuff dries out real nice a lot of styles and color options and it's it's truly customized to your boat uh we get ours from amf marine the email there is nick n-i-c-k at amfmarine.com they're kind of out by the vix marine 
west, uh, eastern Ohio, western Pennsylvania. Uh, if you're not in our area, please look up Aqua Traction and find it for uh, you know your local dealer. Nice. Very nice. You doing okay? I'm surviving, buddy. I'm still here. All right. <laughs> All right. So this podcast, we're going to kind of talk. We were going to do it the last show, but then Vance talked about like the trawler when, mm-hmm. when, when we had Steve on. Um, it yep. wasn't the last podcast. It was the podcast before the last one. So I had this show kind of set up. Um, it, this is kind of a really neat. This is a really cool story, and it, it has to do with my archery buck this year. And it, it was this story is so unique that I almost want to try to type it out. <laughs> put it in print, huh? Put it in print, pen to paper, just because of the improbability of everything and just how it works out. Now, you might want to say, oh, this was your deer. It was fate. It was this. It was that. I don't know. But it was, it's one of the craziest stories. And... I think for if nothing else, if no one likes this show, one person will. That's me because I have it documented. <laughs> so if you want to hear the craziest hunting story that I'm ever going to be telling, uh, at least up until this point in my life, then then hang tight here. I, I think that this is a truly a cool story, and it, and it ends up with something that's... I don't even want to give away the ending because th- there's there's some hard turns on this one. Um, Man, you got me. You, you know I don't know this story, so now you got me intrigued. I, you, I know you don't know the story. I know you know the ending, but I do not want yeah. you at this. I say nothing. You're gonna say <laughs> nothing on this. I just need someone that I'm talking to because if I'm just speaking to the microphone. I might sound like just some insane man. So you call up a guy half dying right now with the flu. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had to call someone. And not only did I have to call you, I called you twice and texted you. Like, (laughs) I don't care what's going on. You are going to be on this phone. I'm like like in a NyQuil stupor, and my phone keeps ringing. I'm thinking, "Uh uh-oh, Andy Enzi's in trouble. Am I bailing him out of jail or what? (laughs) Here I am. Yeah. No, I, but you're bailing me out here, so I don't sound crazy. <laughs> so, all right, let's get to it. So, I, I think anyone that's listened to this show, you know, when we do our kind of our hunting things, you, you kind of, I, I think that it would be fairly obvious that I really enjoy doing the whole deer thing, the the, the food plots, the habitat work stand prep, all the, the whole process. I, I, I keep it running all year. And I'm going to kind of, so it's not very, it's not very common that in, in my area of Pennsylvania, that I have deer that I can markably know this was this deer from the year before. However, there are some standouts that kind of just bunk that trend. And, um, the one of these deer, and I, I'm kind of doing an intro to these deer this year. Mm-hmm. Um, one of these deer, and Vance has talked fondly about it, we named the Big Six. Now, pretty, pretty, you know, colorful name on this. You know, we used to try to come up with like really clever names, and we just got tired. So we have the Big Six. Now, the Big Six, he's been a he, he's been this this deer that's been around for like forever and 
I don't. I'm going to say, like, I have a trail camera photo of the big six in 2000. So in two, two, the last two years, so that's two years old. And back in 2000, he was like a seven point, but he's a big mainframe six. And so you're you said 2000. There's no way this thing's 22 years old. 2020. 2020. 2020. Sorry, you know, I'm in an altered state of mind right now. I just want to clarify. <laughs> yeah, so we have a 22-year-old deer here. And yeah. <laughs> 2020. It, it, well, I, the picture is like September 20th of 2020, and I had a whole bunch of twos and zeros going around in my head <laughs> because I was looking at this. Now, prior to that, Vance has, has, has made the claims that he's seen this deer previous years. And... I know we've had a big six running around and it wasn't as big back in 99 or 99. Holy crap. 2019, 2018. <laughs> I'm, I'm really dating myself here, but you know, it, it's, it, I, it's very hard for, for me to say, Oh, this year, this first racked buck, a year and a half old buck has, um, is now this two year old is now this three year old. I find that like when you get them about two or three, they'll have a characteristic or something. You're like, okay, I'm pretty sure this is this deer from this year. And, you know, having a six point, well, there's a lot of six points when they're, you know, one, one and a half, two and a half years old. So it's really hard, but to, to guess on if it's the same one, you know, unless it has like some crazy cut in its ear or some weird patch of hair, different color, something, but this was just a deer. And, in 2020, this deer, you know, really got his name, the Big Six. The, now, the Big Six, he was a seven-point in 2020. Barely. Now, where that plays in is Pennsylvania has antler restrictions. And in our area, you need to have, excluding the brow tine, three points. And we've talked about this in the past, but... It kind of sounds confusing. You cannot have a brow tine and a Y, and it's legal in our area. You must discount the brow. It needs to have a G2, a G3, and a main beam, or like a split G2 and a main beam, something of like that. It has to be above the burr of the antler uh, for the point. And there's rationale, but I'm not going to get into it. So this deer had a little itty-bitty baby three. And it was probably flirting with that one inch mark. It was it. It was borderline, but nonetheless, I said this deer's on the chopping block. If anyone, you know, get it, just just kill this deer because I was anticipating, based off the size of like the deer and and just some history prior to that that this deer is probably four and a half years old, and this is what his rack is, and it was still it was an impressive six point rack. And so he was, he was, he was, I said, all systems go if we, if we see him. And I did see him one time way out of range early in archery. And that was about it. Now go to 21. He was, he reverted back to just a standard six point. And I did get him on and off, but not a whole lot, but he, he was, he was in and around and, you know, because the, the racks do change a little bit from year to year. Sometimes they do get smaller. Sometimes they get bigger. 
some things, some stuff's a little funky here and there. Also last year, if, if um, I don't even know if I talked about now, so that's the big six. Well, let's let's take the big six all the way to present day. The big six decided to set up shop. He he was right from the get go back in like June. I'm like the big six. That's him right there. Like I just I knew it. And I've I've had years and years of photos of this deer, and he's just a just a big old giant buck now. And he, there's his mainframe six. And in velvet, I was picking up. You know, I think he's got threes, but I don't know how big they are. Yeah, he's bigger now than he was two years ago, and I'm pegging him in the six and a half year old range, which is like almost unheard of for our area. Uh, in Pennsylvania, but he's, he's, I don't even want to guess his inch score because I've never really like had to score a six point mainframe like this, but so that's contender number one this year. Contender number two was a, was a deer that I called last year. Uh, I called him fish hook. Fish hook was a mainframe eight point really nice, nice, pretty deer. And he had off the base of his left antler, a, a weird point that comes out the bottom and kind of like wraps around his skull, like kind of like a fish hook. And he was running around with the buck that I killed, uh, which was can opener. And this, this deer, you know, he, he had some really neat character to him. His twos were like bladed up. His threes kind of came up and they just slightly tipped forward. And he just like, okay, just a really nice, solid looking deer. And he he was all over the the property, all of twenty one. Especially after after I punched my tag, he kind of took over and very very visible, often in daylight, pretty much through the whole season. We just never could get on him with with like you know I, I had my wife out there and um you know just it just never ended up happening. And I did get some photos after the season. He made it. I'm like, oh, this is this is neat. And it it took me it took me almost till August before I started getting photos of him again. And I'm pretty sure this is him. Like there's I'm not gonna ever say that's a hundred percent. But this time he sprouted he sprouted uh fours, which made him a mainframe ten, and he lost his fish hook, but he picked up a couple little stickers off of his twos. Mm-hmm. Um so he's now a mainframe ten that's a twelve point. Nice, beautiful deer. We're probably talking in the 40s, 140-inch deer. And uh, he could have been a little bit bigger. You know, I, I had him in velvet, and he was like every week to 10 days I'd get him on camera. But I think he was in the neighbor's bean field. But he was in the area, and I'm like, heck, this this deer was all over where I particularly like to hunt. And I'm like, I'm going to kind of, I want to put my eggs in this, this deer's basket. And... uh once the velvet shed, I did get some photos of him right up until about the start of the season, about three days prior to the season. I, that was my last photos of him. Um, but he's got to be somewhere close. So that, that's, you know, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Then the last deer, which, which we named this year the Big Eight. And the Big Eight, I think... You know, and I'm still going back and forth on this. So in the spring, my dad picked up a giant shed 
in in one of the food plots, like giant to where it it, it didn't even make sense for our area. I think it had like seventy two inches just on the antler, hmm. and which is crazy. And I, I look back and it, it had very recognizable tines. And and I'm I'm speculating here. This one is a stretch. But there's some stuff that lines up and there's some stuff that isn't even close. It's like I can make compelling arguments for both if this shed is the big eight this year. That I, I can go I can make very good arguments both ways. But this buck, I got pictures of him on September eleventh. When his velvet was coming off. That was my first photo. September 11th and 21. And then my next photo was Christmas Eve. And this is one of these deer that makes me wonder. And then we picked up his shed. We picked up his shed like in. I don't know. March-ish. I I forget exactly when. But. You know. it's, It's not like the biggest deer. That we've had in a long time it drops its good side like it had a really good side and then it had like a good side it and we picked up its really good side i'm like man what are the odds that this is that this thing was here just at the right time because i have two photos of him like ever Hmm. so i'm like you know i I don't really know I, i i'm a little confused on 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 the whole thing but I'm going to probably say I have a 51% certainty that this is this is the big eight. But his his rack was so different last year. Like, there's a lot of main features that are the same. However, the one thing that isn't the same is, like, an 11-inch point that doesn't make sense coming out of that, – that, that is could be argued as a two or a, a non-typical point. Um, just, just a really big, crazy anomaly – on this, on this, on this shed that we picked up, but overall, like mass is about the same. It has a split brow, long main beams, about the same antler shape. I don't know, but that's my only lead. And I have like, I don't, that's it. So getting, uh, getting the cameras out this summer, you know, I always, I always leave some running, uh, maybe a handful ish, half a dozen, and normally in like middle to late August, I'll go set out all my, like I'm putting out the fleet. So the handful that I have out, I'm monitoring fish hook and on the same camera, like in fish hook, it's weird. Like someone might hear like a hundred acres and think, Oh my gosh, that's so much land. Other people are like, that's it. How can you do anything on a hundred acres? And, and that's kind of what we're working with here. And half of it is field and half of it is, is forested. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird. It, and it's not like it's a perfect cut it in half rectangle kind of thing. It, you know, that there's arms and stuff of this forest going out in different valleys. And, you know, some of this field is, is used in ag production. Some of it is not. And, but like on the complete Eastern side of, of this property, I would I only photos I got of fish hook were on the eastern side. The only huh. photos I got of the big six and the big eight were towards the southwestern corner. Hmm. And it's like, like they then they never never cross paths 
I'm sure they knew of each other. I mean, there were some other deer, but these three deer were like the ones we had our eyes on. And, um, but it's, it's weird. Like every year, it's like there's some imaginary line that we get some deer on one side and not the other and vice versa. Like it, it's the craziest thing. So let me ask this, if you don't mind, I'm, I'm not a deer hunter, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not privy to deer anything really. Um, but are they territorial usually? Uh, not so much in the summer. I mean, they kind of have a group of bucks that they run with. Yeah. But, and, and, and they're very tolerant of each other, you know, during the summer months. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're bedding close, they're feeding together. They're, they're kind of, they're buddies. But it's it's just weird that and, and it's every year that I get like why is this why are this deer or these deer not going over here and and why are these deer that are over there not coming over here hmm. and and there are sometimes that some of them do like can opener last year he was all over the place and it kind of made me say this deer's in real he's very vulnerable because we're gonna come in and we're gonna we're gonna drop the hammer real quick. And and that's exactly what we did. Um, but the ones that are kind of on the fringe are, are, are a little bit tougher. And um, so so those are the deer we have. And I'm watching on the western part there. I'm watching the big six grow, and then I'm watching the big eight grow. And my my eyes are on fishhook because that's kind of like the deer in the area that where I, I tend to hunt. Dad tends to hunt more than over where the big eight and uh, the big six are this year. Again, we're only dealing with like a hundred little, little North of a hundred acres. And, you know, and we're going to just, it's hunting and anything can happen. And I'm watching and I'm, I'm talking, you know, I'm sharing photos with, with my friends and stuff like that. And one of the, one of the, like the big buck killers that I know, I, I share these these photos with him, and I'm like, "What what are you thinking on this deer's score?" Not that I'm a I'm a I'm not a guy that's going to kill a deer strictly for score, because honestly, we just don't get big giant ones. We get nice Pennsylvania deer, but and we we were kind of putting scores. You know, we were thinking that fish hook was going to be in the low 40s. The big eight, he's a nice eight. He's probably going to be 130, 135 on a good day, and we're we're kind of putting you know all this stuff and we're just kind of keeping tabs and it's fun and you know in august and all that stuff and food plot time comes around and um i'm running a little genesis no-till drill on the back of my uh my kubota and so when i do food plots it's like really quick like yeah i'm running a three-foot planter but i go over it one time at like five miles an hour and i'm done and i'm planting all these all these plots and i and i i do it in a way that in the in the August heat, there are some plots that are just better to do earlier in the day than later, and I'm I'm trying to hide in the shade. Well, this one field that we have, it's a it's about an eight acre field, and we call it the valley field, as one would expect. It's there's a valley in it, so the field is I'm going to use easy numbers here. It's basically a rectangle, and it's about 150 yards wide and about 400 yards. I, let's just say 400 yards wide, 150 yards deep. And easy numbers. In the middle of it is the valley. So on the on the 400-yard width, those are the high points. And when you go the 150-yard front to back, 
it also kind of has a tendency to slope downward. Just, just it's just a watershed thing, but basically, yeah, you guys can kind of get the idea. And this is this would be a south facing slope. Um, and the it's also on the edge of that field. The furthest line to the south is the property line to our neighbors. So it's our it, this field is the property line. It's it's all it's it's owned by my family. And it's a south-facing slope, and it it's wide east to west, and it's 150 yards north to south, give or take. And we have food plots on the west side and the east side. On the west side, there's a fence, like what kind of separates this field from the rest of the property is an old fence row. And on the when you cross that fence row, it goes into an ag production field. And in the last couple of years, it's been in a, a hay rotation. And in this hay, there's something that the deer just love, uh, like when the time is right. I don't know if it's a clover or an alfalfa, but there's something in there that these deer like. So uh, we're we're moderately okay with it just being hay. I mean, I'd love to have it soybeans or corn, but it's not my call. So you got this fence row that, you know, it has like oak trees and maples, and it's only like one tree thick. And then you go into, you know, our, our field, it's kind of, we're kind of letting it revert a bit goldenrod, but some scrubby brush here and there, but it's nothing too crazy thick. And I got probably a total of two acres of food plots in this, maybe a half acre on the Eastern side, which is kind of really towards the, the big woods area and about an acre and a half on the West side. And, and that's kind of where all the ag and stuff is. And it just happens to be how the land lays out. It's, I, I wish I could make it like different and just be able to plant more, but this is what's plantable. And, um, we've been rotating these, you know, we've been keeping these, uh, plots going for several years now. So a lot of the year just know that they're there. And, um, so uh, the reason I'm saying all this is because this field plays a major part in this story. So on the, east side the smaller plot we have a a big tower stand that is an eight by eight wooden shed it's up about eight feet in the thing and we we would call it we call it the valley field stand because that was for the longest time the shooting house that we we could hunt this big field in and no one really volleys a shot 400 yards but it's always talked about and it being eight by eight you can fit a lot of people in there and it's just a really it's it's a nice place to go. You have a couple friends. You can sit there and talk. And one person's looking in the woods. The other one's looking out. You know, it, it's it's nice. But then last year in 21, uh, I, I went in on a group buy on a bunch of redneck blinds. And anyone that, you know, kind of has a magazine or whatever knows what a redneck blind is. I don't think, Steve, you would know. But it's basically no. a shooting house that's six foot by six foot, except it's gel-coated fiberglass. And this comes with a ten, this one has a ten foot platform, and we put it overlooking that bigger food plot to the west. Now we were on the northern part of this this fields this field edge, and we tucked it into the woods a little bit, just so it's not sticking out like a sore thumb. And it's about as far west as you're going to be able to get in this field, almost into the corner, uh, like the northwest corner of this field. And 
that's in fact where my dad shot his buck the opening day of archery last year when, when him and I doubled on the opening day. And it just, it, it's, it works out really well where I hunt. I have a, I have a nice little enclosure. Now he has a couple options in the Valley field and it's, it's like we, we got, we got some stuff covered now and it, it's nice cause you can get in there, your movement, your scent, a whole bunch of stuff is masked by these, by these enclosures. Some might call it cheating. Yeah, maybe, but I think I think if anyone had the option, they probably would do it too. So, um, so we got that up. All right. I mean, so, is it, so, wouldn't these stands be the equivalent of like a bimini fishing? It, it very yes, yeah, like yeah, because you're in the shade, you're kind of out of the weather. Yeah, it. So. it I mean, it, it offers some some level of flexibility. You can kind of spread your stuff out. And, you know, you, you can get comfortable and it's not that I don't like stand hunting. It's just, why not? Like if, if you're going to have a, something <laughs> in the same spot, why not? Yeah. So, um, getting back to the food plots, I'm planting and I try to plant that big food plot on the West, right? Like as late in the day as possible, because by the time the sun is setting, I can be planting in the shade from this this tree line, this fence line. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of wrapping it up. I'm, I'm getting this and, and this food plot isn't a perfect rectangle. It's, it's kind of like an L, but the, but it's kind of like an obtuse L. So I do, I don't know, 80% of it, 90% of it just going East and West. And then I have a small little section that that's like that I run North and South with my drill. And it's just because it it, it 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 lends well. And in the very end of this, this little L, like the little leg of the L, there's an apple tree. It's a standalone apple tree. I'm going to say basically in the middle of this field, which we call that spot the apple tree for obvious reasons. <laughs> you went now, out on a limb on that name, huh? I know. So, and then we also have a stand called the apple tree stand for obvious reasons. The crazy thing with this field, and I don't know if this was manipulated prior to us from, from farmers, when you get a little bit beyond, so you're, you're heading south, you get to the apple tree, the field takes like a real hard nosedive elevation wise to the point to where you don't feel comfortable on a tractor. Like I don't feel comfortable like on a four wheeler, it's like a really steep grass, grass incline. And largely because of just the nature of it and just the proximity of how big it actually is. Cause there's, there's some hemlocks and stuff. It kind of makes this nice little 40, 45 yard wide alleyway going to the property line. And since we haven't been mowing it, because it's just, it, it, it is scary. It, like if anyone's ever been on a tractor and like, holy crap, I'm going to roll this thing over. This is what you feel like even going up and down. And there's some like little scrub brush and stuff coming up in goldenrod. Well, I just got done doing the major part of this plot. And I'm now, I make my first pass South to pass the apple tree. Now it's middle August. I get to the end of my row and, you know, like I normally do, okay, I'm done planting. I don't even let off the, the uh, throttle. I just pick up the drill. It's a three-point. And I start taking my right turn to get on my line to head north to plant again. 
Well, as soon as I crest over that bank, I just see this rack stand up like at 20 yards right next to this bush on this unfathomably steep hill. And I'm like, holy smokes, this this buck just stood right up. And I'm like, this thing's been here the whole freaking time. I've been going back and forth for an hour. And he's been he's been listening to this. My dad was there. We stopped and chatted before I said, I'm going to wrap this thing up over. I'm going to do the apple tree. And Buck stood up. He took a couple bounds. He had another buck stand up with him. And they went right to the property line. It's an old fence. And uh, he stood there. And I, I did not stop. If anyone's ever been on a four-wheeler or a tractor and they boot a big deer or even just a deer, if you don't stop and, like, turn your head, a lot of times they'll just sit there and watch you. And I just go. I get on my north line. I head north. Get finish that. I pick it up, get on my south line, go. And for probably a half a dozen times doing that, him and this other bucks just stood there looking at me 50, 60 yards. And I'm like, holy smokes. It was the, it was the big eight. I couldn't recognize the other buck, but it might've been the big six, but my eyes were focused on the eight. And I'm like, holy crap, this buck is a lot bigger than I thought. I mean, like it was impressive, but I still didn't really think it was, you know, I don't see a lot of 130 inch deer. And, um, I'm like, you know, I've kind of finished this up and I'm like, this buck just gave a really good secret away. And that secret was because that's getting overgrown. And this is me speculating, but I don't think that it's, it's, it's out of, it's out of the question of being reasonable. This buck is betting on this steep South facing hill. When there's a northwest wind, he's picking up most everything that's coming from the north. You know, anything that's north of him, even some west of him. And the fact that he's on this hill, he's going to be getting the evening thermals coming down on him too, if there's no wind. And he can look everything to the south. So he can use his eyes to detect danger downhill and his nose and ears to detect anything uphill that he can't see Mm -hmm. i'm like holy like this is like what they talk about on podcasts and articles and i'm like this deer just gave a little tidbit away that i really really like i really like knowing this fast forward opening day of the season i'm trying to think dad dad had something going on and he could not make it out to hunt um, the opening night, which was a Saturday. I think it was October 1st. And I was getting halfway often where he was hunting, where like the Valley Field area, I was getting the big eight halfway regularly daylighting. And I'm like, that's going to change any day. It's going to change any day. It's going to change. And it seems every couple days I get him daylight. And I'm like, well, that's kind of crazy. And by this time, I had been three days without a photo of fish hook. And I'm like, well, I'm going to go into my spot because that's where I go. I'm going to let dad have a shot at the big eight. I'm not going to dive in there because he just can't make it. So I sit, I see a bunch of doe and, um, I had, I had no buck action the first, the first day. So Saturday comes and goes, you can't hunt Sunday. Well, you can hunt some Sundays in PA, but you can't hunt this Sunday. That would have been October 2nd. And um, he can hunt Monday. And I wasn't going to blow up my spot. 
because one, I'm not getting a buck that I want to shoot and it's still early in the season. So I'm just going to sit back and, uh, we're going to see what happens with that on, on, on Monday the third. So anybody that, that hunts, you know, older deer, generally speaking, they're one of the last ones to enter a field that they're, they're kind of, they kind of know the game. And if they're the first ones in the field, you know, typically if you had a rifle, they're the first ones to die and they learn this stuff. But something crazy happened on October 3rd. Dad was, dad got in the stand a little bit earlier than I, than I, than I probably would have. I think he got in the stand probably around two thirty, and it's getting dark at like seven fifteen. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't pepper this area with cameras. I had a couple cameras running, but largely this field is, is unmolested with, with videos, video photography and stuff like that. But I had, I had enough cameras around that I could, I thought I knew what was going on. So he gets in the stand like two thirty, maybe, maybe it's three o'clock and he gets settled in. And I think, I think like his text was, ah, there's a couple of deer out at the apple tree. Now this redneck blind, I have already kind of explained. Um, actually I'm going to skip this part. I'll, I'll hit it real quick here. So like there might've been some deer in the field or what have you when, when he was getting into the redneck and we, we did the best we could to kind of brush in the redneck to at least hide our entry and exit. But it's still early. Like we didn't, we don't have a lot of growing season here, so it takes some years for vegetation to grow up the way we want it. And um, we're still in the early stages of it. So he gets in the stand, <clears throat> and I think he texted me somewhere around right around four o'clock. I was I was still at work, or just getting out of work, and he says the big eight's at the apple tree, hundred and seven yards, <clears throat> and I'm like you've got to be kidding me. And, you know, the big eight, he's doing his thing. He's eating, you know, apples are falling. He's eating them, doing this and that. And I'm like, holy smokes. That buck was bedding in the same area that I saw him with when I was planting. It's the only thing that makes sense. He didn't get up and walk a half a mile or a mile at four in the afternoon, early October to eat these apples because he would have walked by a million apple trees. This deer got up, stretched, took three steps, and he's in sight of dad. <laughs> so dad's watching him, and, you know, he he would be dad's biggest buck. And he's doing his thing, this and that, and I think at one point, you know, some other deer were starting to filter in, and he... uh at one point, I think he was at like 65 yards. He worked his way to, and then he kind of, something happened. A doe came in. He went over to check her out, and then he kind of just exited the way he came in, in and about that area. And he's like, oh, the big eight just left. He goes, oh, but the big six just came in. And I'm like, oh, what? Where this? What? You, you've got two of the, the hit listers coming in, and it's broad daylight? You know, and it might be <laughs> 5 o'clock or something by this point. And then he's like, Oh, the big eight just came back out. I'm like, well, you got both. And, you know, he has other smaller bucks, little eights, sixes, fours, spikes, does. It's a circus. <laughs> and 
you know, I, I explained to him, I said, dad, the big six is a very respectable deer. Like if, if I had, if I didn't think if I had both of them in front of me and I didn't think I'd get a shot at the big eight, I would have no regret shooting the big six. Like it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, do you want to, do you want to catch that 50 that kind of is lazily following or will you, will you catch that 45 that's hot? You know, that, that's kind of like the the thing that we're, we're looking here. And, um, he, he's texting me, he goes, they're at 60 yards, they're 55 yards, they're this, they're, and and they're progressively getting closer and closer. And he's, he's texting me and he's like, he's like, I can't open these windows to shoot. Like there's too many deer around. And that is one of these things. Like when you're in these redneck blinds, they've got a really good window system, but it's so good that it's almost a hindrance because you can hunt some pretty risky wind because you're going to be pretty well sealed up in this thing. But when mm-hmm. you're sealed up, it's sometimes really hard to get something open. Yeah. And in these, in these blinds, it's like a square with the corners cut off and there's like tall windows in the corners, like those like narrow windows. And then you got bigger, wider windows on the long ends of like the main part of the square. He, he didn't feel he could open up the big, what would be in this stand is the six, uh, the 12 o'clock window, the 12 o'clock window. If everyone remembers how I do the face of the clock, when you walk up the ladder into our blinds, the window directly across from the ladder is 12 o'clock. That's typically where we want to be facing our best area. The 12 o'clock window faces south. So that's kind of like an orientation here. The, he couldn't open up the 12 o'clock window, but he could open up the 130 window and the 1030 window because they didn't take as much to open. They open, they hinged on the side, not the top. And these deer were, kind of like towards his one o'clock one thirty, and he had the big six at like 23 yards if, if memory serves me and he's like i mm. j- i need him to take another step because i can't i can't get to him i can't shoot him and then something something happened and and they kind of all bumped out oh jeez, they all that bumped up, they bumped out further and like you know I, I don't this part kind of escapes me but now they're out of, they're kind of out of more, I'm trying to think, did he, he shot out like the 1030 window and he ranged him at 55 and this was the big eight. Now he's been keeping me pretty updated through text. He got set up and now we practice, we practice out a good distance. And I've always said, when people ask, will you take a 50 yard shot? And I'm like, if the conditions are perfect, I would do it. And dad was confident. He's like, he's at 55. He's right there. He settled in and he let one fly. Hmm. Now, as I talked about this blind, when you start looking at like, you really don't have a shot till like maybe nine thirty, ten o'clock on this face, just because you're tucked into the woods. So anything to the extreme left is really hard to get a shot at. And he shot out of that narrow, tall window. And, you know, when, when stuff like that happens, it's really, your your head gets messed up. Mm. And I'm like, okay, I said, what happened? He goes, well, I shot. Goes, I, it felt good. He goes, but I, I think I missed him. And I'm like, 
well, did you see the arrow disappear? He goes, yeah, and I, you know, I don't know this and that. And I'm like, okay, well, here's, here's the thing. What happened? He goes, they kind of trotted off. They, they trotted to the east um, out of sight. And I'm like, all right, hang tough. Don't go get your arrow. Just hang tough. Wait till it gets dark. Then get out. I will come meet you after dark. We're going to take the buggy, and we're going to drive in. We're going to make our presence known through the sound of you know the diesel engine so it's not a couple humans slinking around. And uh, we go, and uh, his Luminoc lit up. You know, we walked up to it. We picked it up, and uh, no blood. No blood on the arrow. Uh, and, and I'm missed. like, oh, man, we're heart, we're heartbroken. Because this buck, this buck would have been really, really special. Well, I'm like, all right, moving forward. I don't think he spooked the deer that bad because the deer wasn't looking at him. It wasn't on high alert. It probably ran because of the sound and the does and all this other stuff. But I don't think they knew what was going on. I said, let's let, let's let this thing cool down. So Tuesday comes and goes, Wednesday, Thursday. And, and uh, my dad went on a little trip Thursday, and he came back on Friday. And uh, I uh, I asked him, I'm like, listen, if you're not hunting Friday, I said, I think I got a halfway decent wind. Do you care if I go in and, and sit? Because there's nothing going on over like where I tend to hunt. No, I don't. That's fine. He goes, I had my shot. You know, it's time for you to get a shot. I'm like, all right. So um, I get in, you know, I, I kind of get to the get to the field. Now, the wind that I had... <laughs> was a northwest wind. It was it was it was light it was a light wind, but it was it was a constant northwest. Now I'm facing south and I can't see all of the food plot what would be to the southeast. So the way that my wind is blowing down into the, into this part of the food plot into this field. And uh so Friday comes and I'm I'm a real freak about scent control, like crazy. And I don't even know if it's worth like me even discussing the, the the lengths that I go to, but it's 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 very intense, and most people would think I'm just crazy for doing it. But needless to say, um, I changed my clothes in the middle of this hay field. I was able to hide through like a, a little. I fashioned a curtain from <laughs> my doors, and Jeez. I completely changed. And I, I do my whole little routine like that. This is big to me. And because this wind is borderline, it's, it's, it's a, it's a good wind in my, in my definition in that if this buck is betting where I think he's betting, this is the wind he wants. However, it gets risky because if, if they get, if they get too far to my left, it can be all over. So this is kind of like we're we're going we're going for gold here. And something I've been doing for years now. I was never a fan of of wearing a mask during the last couple years. But when it comes to hunting, I get activated carbon masks, like like things, and I will breathe through a filter. Oh, get out of here. Do you really? I swear to god. Is this why you're in the hillbilly, uh, uh, sh- uh yeah. shack or yes. So you're, you're closed in with closed windows. 
I have an ozone generator pounding the place with ozone, and I'm breathing through activated carbon. <laughs> Man, that's hardcore, buddy. I'm going to tell you what. The, <laughs> like, the, the way I see this is, and, and people will make arguments all they want, okay? If, if I do all of this and it helps me nothing, then I'm no worse off than doing nothing. But if it helps me 1%, wouldn't you take 1% over nothing? Well, it depends on the level of discomfort. If I'm if I'm wearing a respirator and a... Well, I mean, it, uh, it, trust me, it's not my most favorite thing to do. <laughs> but, you, but you also need to understand that like something like 70 or 80% of the human smell comes out of your mouth. And all these people are doing stuff with, with all this crazy stuff on their clothes and their skin and what have you. You breathe like 60 gallons of air an hour. You're constantly putting out human odors through your nose and your mouth that is left unchecked. Hmm. If I can breathe it through a filter, so I'll, I'll go down this road. If I can breathe it through a filter and that filter takes out, give me a percent what you think I know it's not a sealed filter on my face because it's it's a modified mask that I had yeah. my sister do. Forty percent. I mean, do you think yeah. that'd be fair if I could knock forty percent of my stuff out? Yeah, you probably do more than that, but yeah. Okay, so let's just whatever percent, listeners, whatever percent you think. The way I see it is this: is that there's a lot of places, at least where I hunt, that deer are always going to be able to smell some level of human activity. Like, their day-to-day, they are going to smell humans. And I believe that they can tell with their nose the threat level by how strong the smell is. Like, if they smell a human, they're like, holy crap, this thing is close. They're going to be on high alert and get out of there. But they're like, yeah, I smell you, but I think you're far away. I can't see you, but I know Mm -hmm. that something's there. They might just go on with their business. And if no. I if I can trick them to think that I'm I don't think I think they smell me. Don't get me wrong. I'm not that naive to think that I beat their nose. I think I beat their level of danger perception. Yeah. Because if they're like, "Oh, that human smells like he's 500 yards away. There's nothing to worry about, but I'm actually 50." <laughs> well, that's a win in my book. So when when people when I think when people that really know scent control they're they're not saying well I'm going to beat a deer's nose no I'm going to beat their perception of danger, and that that might only be two seconds, and that's all you need. Sometimes is the difference is two seconds. And I assume a deer's tolerance for that goes based on the exposure because stupid deer in my backyard you can walk in with five yards and they look at you like you ain't going to do anything to me. <laughs> pretty so. pretty much like like when I was hunting Kentucky a lot. Those deer had zero tolerance. Like they're blowing at you and you don't even know they're there. And then you got the deer in your yard that literally are pets. (laughs) Pretty much. I mean, so the thing is, is the way I see it is the best, the best policy is try not to be, try not to be caught. And if it's, if it's the difference of me being lazy versus me just saying, you know what, I, I don't feel like it today. Yeah. The last thing I want to do is make these deer smarter. So, no. so I'm, listen, I'm not questioning, man. I've seen your barn. Your track record's insane with what you shoot. So there's obviously some method to what you're doing. 
Well, it just seems wild to me. That's all. Yeah, and and the thing is, is you know, the, 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 it's a whole combination thing. It'd be like you don't just catch a muskie on a bait. There's a yeah. whole other thing that a lot of people don't see. But in the advertisement, you see them grinning with the fish and someone holding the bait up. There was more to it than just that. But yeah. th- this is one part. So I I get in. Uh, I I I do my thing. I kind of get to this to the edge of the woods here that I'm going to just take this little shortcut in to get up this ladder and I'm going like creeper mode slow because the, the, the leaves are crunchy. It's kind of dry. And I'm like, Holy crap. There's, there's like a little, little buck at the apple tree. And I'm like, crap, I gotta get like 30 yards. I got to climb a steel ladder, but I went slow. I got up in the stand and I did not spook that deer. And at this point, you're suited up like Darth Vader. You already did that. Oh my custom gosh! Custom changing station. I've 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 got the mask on. Okay. I am okay. I am comp- I am sprayed down. I'm ready to start up the ozone, and I'm going I'm going nuts now. Okay. Um, I get in there. I get set up. Calm down. And uh, I get the window set to where you know you want to break the seal from the surface tension from like the, there's like little clampies that hold it down. So if I have to do anything made some adjustments and I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, here we go. And I'm like, okay, there's a little doe here. And I had action right from the get go and the deer start filtering in and I look and you know, I had some, I had some doe downwind of me, which was very concerning to me. So, so they were out like the, the nine 30, 10 o'clock range and I can see them and I'm like, they're straight downwind of me. But I'm in the box. Things are tightened up. I, I I should be good. And then I look down at the apple tree, and up pops the big six. Mm. And I'm you know, and and I it's not like I was there for a minute. You know, I I don't even the, the hands of the clock right now are not meshing in my brain from you know two months yeah. ago or a month and a half ago. And um, I'm like, holy crap! There's the big six, and you know, I was sitting there watching them. He was looking for apples coming off this apple tree. And the crazy thing was this. I'm watching him. And I see I see this gray squirrel cut across, like, the short distance from that tree line. It jumps onto the apple tree. And this deer's sitting here, you know, doing whatever the deer does. You know, they were 15 feet apart. This gray squirrel's climbing up. And I'm like, what's this thing going to do? So I'm watching it. And part of it is I wanted a distraction mentally because I, I don't want to focus on a deer that I want to shoot. I want to know where it's at, but I don't want to dwell on it because you start dwelling on that stuff and you you're, you get in your own head. And I'm watching this squirrel, and I'm looking at this apple tree. I'm like, there is no apples left on this tree. And then I see, you know, it's wiggling through the branches and whatever. I'm like, oh, my gosh, there is one apple almost towards the top of the tree. <laughs> this gray squirrel navigated this this tree on like pencil thick branches. He came down, held on with his back feet, got above the apple, like the branch perfectly bent. He grabbed it with his two hands, his two front paws, popped it off, put it in his mouth, and he ran down. He took the last apple from the big six. Wait a minute, how big are these apples that this gray squirrel's deep throat in this thing? Uh, it's, it's not like the Granny Smith down at the supermarket. They're like the wild apples. You know, they're smaller than base. They're bigger than uh, golf balls, but smaller than baseballs. Okay. They're closer to a golf ball size. Okay. All right. <laughs> so this thing jacks this apple, and I'm like, 
man, that's kind of cool to watch that. So I, uh, I watch now the big six. And now there's no apples. And he starts like walking straight to me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's go time. He he's he was at 107. Now he just crossed the 70 70 yard area. There, there's a distinct line where I changed my pattern on the food plot. Um, we we ranged at that 70 yards. I'm like, holy crap! And he's there. He's eating away at the food plot. And I'm like, holy smokes! And uh, a couple other little bucks come up, you know, join him, and and they're doing whatever they're doing and. They're getting closer. They said 55, and he's like, holy smoke. This this might, and I look out the 1030 window because something caught my eye really close to the stand, like as close to the stand as I could see, and I'm like, what is this thing? And it's an orange cat. What? Occasionally, Steve, you don't know this, but you'll see cats just walking through the woods and fields, like not even close to any home. But Jeez. what you won't know Deer do not like house cats. Like, they're not buddies. The cat poses no threat, but the deer do not like them. And it's walking from my left to my right. So it's walking from east to west. And I I lose it at 12 o'clock window because I can't see down. I'm like, oh, no. Okay, You've got a giant buck in your sights and Garfield shows up. Pretty much. And then I got a whole bunch of dough downwind of me. And this place is getting packed, okay? Yeah. And um, I'm just like, okay, whatever. And then I'm, I'm trying to, like, keep my eye on the D, keep my eye on the dough. Because if all you do is keep your eye on the prize, you get screwed. Because it's the other deer that blow you up. It's never really the deer you want. It's the ones you're not looking at. And I'm like, okay, those doe, they, they, they don't like what's going on. Uh, the, I got the big six coming in. He's coming straight in. I like what's happening here. And I'm like, okay, where's this cat at? And I keep looking. I'm like, where's this cat? I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. And then I look to my left, and one of the big does is walking up the hill towards me, nose up in the air, and I'm like, you're going to blow it for me. You're going to blow this for me. And I'm thinking she's looking at me. But the more I kind of study her, I'm like, she's looking through me. I'm like, what's going on over here? And I, I kind of turn and I look out the three o'clock window down. And I'm like, that stupid cat is sitting right there curled up on the ground. Get out of here, cat. And it stands up and it's a red fox. Oh, no way. I'm like, what just, I know it was a cat earlier. 100 like we're talking two minutes earlier this orange cat and then i look over and i have a fox like like you'd see in the cartoons curled up in a perfect circle on the ground and i'm like why didn't this fox jack the cat like to me i I, i'm like okay so what i got going on here is i have a shape-shifting cat that turns into a fox i got about to blow me up I got a target buck closing the distance. This doe, like when it when it started, like would have been inside of this fox. This fox got up and stood up and looked at her, and that doe did not like that. It she turned and ran and took all the other doe with her, which could have been half a dozen, ten. It was hard to tell. And then that fox was like, "Okay, I'm out of here," and he just pranced away, like 
five seconds, he was gone. And I'm like, okay. And I look, the big six and a couple other bucks were still, were still out there. And now the big six is looking straight where the doe ran away. And I'm like, okay, how far are you? So I, now that the field's clear, I open up the 12 o'clock window. And uh, the big six, he's calm. He's just looking where the doe went. Like, I don't think he knew what was up with the fox. He couldn't smell it or the cat. And it, trust me, there were two animals there. There was, it was not, <laughs> I did not mislabel this Dude, fox for a cat. I think your mask filter wasn't working and you were getting too much CO in your... <laughs> yeah, I was... Deluxe. <laughs> no, I'm telling you the truth here on this. But I got this buck, a target buck broadside, with a with a light but constant wind out of the northwest, no sticks in sight. So I get ready. And uh, I, I, get, I get the bow on the sticks. And I'm like, you're 50. And I keep clicking the rangefinder. You're 50, you're 50, you're broadside, you're... You're you're a house of a deer. This thing is just solid, and I'm like, all right, here we go. I I settle the I settle the fifty, right where I want it. I'm like, this is this is perfect. I'm going to be tagged out. It's going to be five o'clock. I'm done, and uh, calm as a cucumber. I got I got and and I remember this. This is the reason I'm bringing this up is because this is also for me to remember. I got the trigger right in the middle of my pointer fingers, uh, first like pad, like your fingerprint, not in the crease. I remember I like, said it right there, 50 yard, just like at home because I practice further than that. And I just, okay, watch it, watch it, squeeze, squeeze, bunk, arrow flies. And I'm probably 20 yards out. I'm seeing this Luminoc go. And I'm like, I missed him. And I watched that arrow hit the top of his back and hair fly everywhere. Uh, I grazed his back uh, and I'm like, huh? And he took off running. (sighs) I'm like, what the heck? What the heck? And I'm like, all right. So a couple, couple of little bucks just kind of ran down to the apple tree. The big six left. I'm like, what the heck happened there? I was steady, I was sitting, I was on a solid rest. Everything was perfect. The The wind didn't push the arrow any which way. I'm like, I know that I ranged it at 50. That deer did not drop. People are going to say that that deer dropped. That deer did not drop an inch. At that distance, a deer can move quite a bit at the sound you know, of uh, an arrow getting released. But that deer was standing stone, and I... I I'm like, well, I don't feel overly bad about it. I just took hair off of them. But everything felt right. I went through the whole routine. And I I don't even know where the arrow went after that. Just because <clears throat> after, like, if you watch an arrow flight, especially at a long distance, there's a point to where you'll see the arrow kind of cusp and, and come back down. Yeah. And it was almost like it never broke to come down. Mm. And I'm like, okay, well, so at that point, you know, I kind of close up the window and I pull down my mask. I call my dad. I'm like, he's like, yeah. And I'm like, I missed him. He goes, what? I said, I, I blew hair off his back. 
And he goes, are you sure? I said, I watched it all clear as day. I said, it's, it's, it's frame by frame. Perfect. In my mind, you know, 1080 high resolution <laughs> going here. I said, that deer's fine. He was like, well, um, do you, uh, are you done? I said, no, I'm here. I said, we're going to just see what the heck happens. I'm, I'm here. I said, I don't feel bad about this at all. I said, everything, everything's fine. All right, it's time to pull up my big boy pants and just just move on. He's like, okay. And I'm like, all right. So that that was my number one arrow. So I I've, I'm very selective with my arrows and how they shoot with their broadheads. Well, my number my that was a mechanical head on on my number one arrow. Now my number two arrow kind of didn't follow what all the other arrows did. This was a fixed blade head. But it shot so well with my mechanicals, just this one combination. So I said, I'm going to put number two in. So I get the bowcock back. I put number two in, and I'm just sitting there. It doesn't take long. And uh, the field starts filtering back in with all these deer that just left from the, from the sound of, you know, from, from the fox and from the big six running away. And there's, there's a couple couple small bucks that did not run away. Um, they did get far out of there and, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm now perched up high and I can see from a distance, there were, there were some mode trails around the perimeter that I was seeing the deer walking around that were in the food plot and what have you, but it didn't take long and all these deer start filtering back in. And, you know, I'm, I'm on my phone texting some people about what happened because like, it's fun to kind of give a play by play. And uh, my one friend, Andy, I was texting him and stuff, and we were back and forth. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there's deer back, filtering back in, this and that. I'm like, oh, small eights here, there. A couple deer that I don't remember seeing that might have just been coming in, and they just weren't here at the time and whatever. And then there were some, like, really loud four-wheeler or dirt bikes, really loud, going up and down the road. Now, the road is to <clears throat> my west, I don't know, two, 300 yards, Okay really loud and i remember saying something i'm like oh here we go they're really loud you know people on bikes and whatever and i finish that text and i look up and there's the big eight standing at the apple tree (laughs) and i'm like you're serious and i at that moment the reason i talked about those four-wheeler dirt bikes being loud i don't know if he was coming anyway or did those bikes play a really important role on getting this deer to come to me? Hmm. But he he went to the apple tree. And now keep in mind, I got deer filtering back in. There was no deer. He was the only deer 12 noon from me. There was no deer 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock at this point. He was straight in front of me. All the other deer were like 1030 and, and more closer to 9. And he's looking around for apples, and I'm like, there's no more apples. The squirrel got it. And he just starts walking straight to me. And I'm like, you're kidding me. And I'm like, it's going to happen. I'm like, because now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, dad had him come out, and he walked right up to him. The big six walked right up to him. The big six walked right up to me. And... um. The big eight, he's doing the same thing. That these deer are going to do this. Like, I just know I'm getting a shot. But 
Dad had a miss. I just had a miss. And now I'm getting in my head. And here he is. He's at 70 yards. He's at 60 yards. He's eating. He's starting to go east. So he's starting to head left. And then I got three little bucks that came from that left of me, like the 11 o'clock-ish, and they worked their way 25, 30 yards to my 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock window. Don't ask me why they did that, but they did. Just these three bucks broke away from the group of these does and some other bucks. And one was a little spike, and a couple were like little four corn, maybe small sixes. And... This spike kind of got way, like, closer to 230, and I I really wasn't looking at him because the other two small bucks started to spar. They started clinking their antlers together, stomping their hooves and pushing and this and that. Well, the big eight, he, um, something about that little clinking this and that, he picked his head up, and he got to, like, 38 yards instantly. And I'm like, holy crap. I got him under 40. This is a, this is what I want. I don't want to have to take another, you know, long-range ballistics here. And uh, I'm like, this is, this is perfect. This is exactly, I can open up the 12 o'clock window. He's right there. Those, those two other bucks, they're, they're making noise. They're making clutter. Big eight comes up. He puts his head down. And he's kind of eaten by him. He, I think he just wanted to be like, hey, guys, I'm top dog here. I'm going to supervise this little scrimmage that you guys got going on. <laughs> I open up the window, and I'm like, okay, perfect. I'm getting, I'm getting the bow up on the sticks again. And in my peripheral view, this little spike is looking straight at me, stomping his feet. I'm like, don't do it, man. Don't do it. This isn't for you. This one's not for you. And he gets, <laughs> he's, he's on high alert. These other two little bucks are still fighting, but the big eight's now looking at this guy. I'm like, don't. I got him in range. He's broadside. This is this is my deer. I need I need my two seconds right now. He doesn't give me my two seconds. He takes off. He takes off from the perfect spot at one o'clock. So big eight's gone. Well, he the spike runs from like one o'clock all the way over to ten o'clock. And the big eight didn't even know what was going on. He just ran with them. Oh, that punk. And I'm like, you're kidding me. So now I've got the 12 o'clock window open. And I've got all but two deer directly downwind of me. And he's so far to my left, I have to open up the 1030 window. Not only did I have to, I had the window open at noon and that little buck saw me, but now I got to do it again with this little buck looking at me. And this little buck did like, they're, they're not smart. He never really got any further away from me. He just changed his position. He went from my right to my left at the same distance. Yeah. But. He felt like he ran far away, though. <laughs> he, he ran really far, but he didn't get any any further away. The big eight's now at 55. I'm like, you're kidding me. And the little spike puts his head down. And, and like, they didn't blow out, blow out, but that little, that little spike didn't move that buck. And I have to reach and open this window. So I'm reaching, 
and I open the window about a third of the way, and he looks right up at me real quick. Oh, jeez. And I'm like, don't do it. And he's, get, on you. he's getting nervous, and he puts his head down. I move, and he looks right back up at me. He takes a couple steps. He's walking away. I'm opening it, and then he looks right back at me. Like they, It's not that he's picking up movement. He's trying to play a game, and I caught you. Like there are times that like a deer will pretend to put its head down and pick it up real quick to see if you're going to make a move. It's not that they see you. It's just they're trying to catch you doing something. But I knew his game. Well, finally I get the window open and I, I have to, I have to readjust everything now, like almost 90 degrees in in this blind. And somehow I do it. But by this point, the big eight is feeding He's feeding in the direction of my nine o'clock and I'm looking at him and I get him. I, I range him 55 and I, I, I range several times, 55, 55, 50, mm-hmm. he's 55. And I'm telling myself, I'm like, man, don't blow it. Just lick your wounds. You had your shot. There's plenty of time left. I'm looking at him in the scope and I'm like, there's something going on here in that, if dad shot over the big eight, I shot over the big six. You know what I'm going to do? He's at 55. I settled 50 right on the bottom of his brisket, which is the lowest part of like his chest. And I was just looking at it and I'm going to, I'll be honest. This was not my finest moment. (laughs) Autopilot. I pulled the trigger. I was not set. I did. I mean, I was, I had my form, but I did not go through what I went through with the big six. I did not make sure the pad of my trigger finger. I wasn't watching my breathing. I had that there and I'm like, I'm not sure. Bonk. And I just, I, I let it go because I was so extreme, so extreme to, to my left shooting, like th- another step or two. And he was out like, I would not have a shot at him. Even if he was at 20 yards, I wouldn't have had a shot. I was getting into the to the to the bushes and the tree limbs that much. I still had a clear shot at 55. Mm-hmm. And I, I shot and I I I lost sight of the arrow just just from how everything was, how extreme I was. I watched the arrow go about halfway and then just like readjusting, I lost it the rest of the arrow flight, which is we're talking below a second. And normally I'm pretty good at watching this stuff. And I'm like, I have no idea what just happened. I saw him and he turned away. When I shot, he was facing, if I'm looking at the deer, his head was on the left. Mm-hmm. When, when I shot, he turned, which way he turned to where his butt went to me. And then he went down right. He went downhill. And when he was in the plot, he was walking kind of funny. Like, it wasn't a walk. It was kind of a, a, a brisk walk, not quite a run. And, I mean, this blew the field up. Okay? This completely blew the field up. Every deer took off. And he he scooted his butt down to, to the edge of the plot, to the edge of, right where the goldenrod starts. And then he let out the biggest jumps I've ever seen a deer do. Okay. This Mm. guy was clearing buses. Now I did not see an exit hole. I didn't see blood. 
I didn't see if the arrow even hit him. I don't know what at this point. I'm completely baffled. I'm still a little at shock that I actually pulled the trigger. This was an autopilot response. And I saw one big bound land, and I'm like, okay. I see another big bound, and he lands. And I'm like, based off of those, I'm, I'm kind of figuring out. He's got another bound in him, and he's in the woods right where the big six ran. Right into this hemlock. And I never saw the I never saw the next one. And I'm like, okay, he landed in the trail and he had to have just taken off running. So I called dad. I'm like, hey dad, I think I I don't know what happened, but I shot at the big eight. Now he knew the big eight was around. Yeah. I let him know. And uh he says, Well, what do you think? I said, honestly, I have no idea. I, I don't know. Um regardless, I'm done for the day. Um, how about this? Get your stuff on. Uh, drive out to the barn, hop, hop on the buggy, pick me up. I'm not, I'm not stepping out of this place until you come here. He goes, do you see your arrow? I said, no, I have, I don't even know where my arrow is. And he's like, okay. So I'm like, all right, here we go. And I'm recapping stuff. I just shot what would be my biggest shot at my biggest Pennsylvania buck completely downwind at a range. I said, I would not shoot at. After I just missed a target buck <laughs> that dad had seen four days prior, dad shot at this buck as well. I said, this is, this is, this is stupid. What am I doing? Like, it, it's time for me to like have a good long talk with myself. <laughs> well, there's two bucks that were fighting off to my right. They're down at the apple tree and they're acting really strange. They're looking down to like where a lot of those deer ran, where the big six ran, where the big eight ran. They're looking weird, and they're stomping and stuff, and I'm like, what the heck is this? I don't know what the heck's going on. So in the meantime, you know, it's probably going to be a good half hour before Dad even gets there. He's got to drive eight miles. He's got to hop on his buggy. and So I call up my, my buddy Andy, and I, I'm I'm telling him the whole thing, and, you know, we, 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 we talk a lot during hunting season. We text a lot during hunting season and we're kind of going back and forth. And he's like, well, what do you feel? And I'm like, man, I'm getting the jitters. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm like, I didn't, I didn't feel this way when I shot at the big six. And I'm like, I think these little deer are telling me something. He goes, well, I'm like, well, I got to wait for dad. We're talking it all over. Then I hear the, the, the diesel come pulling up and I gather up my stuff. I lock up the lock up the shed, and I climb down. And he's like, "Well, now bear in mind, my father had both knees replaced this spring, oh. six six weeks apart. the the jeez, oh, the last one was in middle May, and um, so he he doesn't he's he's doing good, but he doesn't move very well. Um, not not like me with younger knees." And, uh, I'm like, well, and I, I kind of told him this and that, and I'm like, let's just, I don't even know where my arrows, let's see. I'm like, I knew my knock lit up. That was the big thing. And we kind of walk over to where the deer was standing and he's like, well, there it is laying. And just how the topography was, I couldn't see it from the stand, but it was laying right in the middle, laying in the middle of the thing. I'm like, well, here we go. And I don't know. I was, we probably saw it 15, 20 yards away and I'm walking up to it and I'm like, Four days ago, we were doing this, and uh, this arrow is going to tell me a lot. 
So I walk up and I try not, I just keep looking at the glowing knock and it's starting to get dusk out. I grab the arrow and I pick it up and I'm like, he's like, well, well, and I'm like, well, there's blood on it. He's like, really? And I'm like, probably hit his leg or something. That's why he was walking funny. You know, that's kind of what I'm thinking. He's like, well, do you want to look for your other arrow? And I'm like, yeah, let's, let's take a walk down that way. I'm like, let's look. I said, let's try to find hair. Let's try to find blood, find something. And we spent a minute or two looking to see where the deer was, but it's, it's very hard, even in a field. I mean, there are times it's hard. You're like, where was that deer exactly standing? I don't know. Yeah. When I are on the ground, it's a different look than when you're, you know, elevated. Now with the way this hill was, I had a 10 foot blind, but then let's just say another four foot for where my eyes were. I probably had another 10 or 15 foot of elevation on that deer beyond what was already man-made. So, I mean, I had a bird's eye view of this and we're looking and I'm like, okay, well, screw it. I said, I know he kind of entered here. I knew where he was going, dad. And we could not find any blood, any hair in the plot. And we walk along the edge of the goldenrod and we can't find anything. I was hoping to try to find my other glowing arrow from the big six. It's kind of weird to be like, I got one arrow left, like in the quiver. It's like I (laughs) shot almost all my arrows and we're walking and I don't want to go through the goldenrod. And, uh, so I said, let's go down. Let's, let's go kind of go where these deer were standing and, um, kind of acting all funny. And, uh, we're walking and we get almost there and I'm kind of looking down, down like on the mode trail. And I just see a big white belly. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And I'm like, daddy's dead right there. He goes, are you serious? You know, I'm a few steps ahead of him. Yeah. And I'm like, dad, he's, I swear to God, he's right there. And he goes, where? And I'm like, right there. Don't you, don't you see it's, it's, it's belly. And he's like, holy cow. And I, you know, knowing I, I'm, I'm slowing my pace down. So it's not like I get there before him. And as we walk up, I'm like, oh my God, what did I do? This, this buck was substantially bigger than we could have ever imagined through trail cameras. Just, <laughs> it was, it, it was, it was crazy just how badly we misjudged the size of this deer and how badly I misjudged it in person. Like walking up, I'm like, this thing is enormous. And, um, you know, we get up to it and it's just like this holy crap moment. And I kind of like, you know, we, we get it situated and stuff and getting ready for photos. I'm like, dad, look at this. I said, and it didn't occur to me immediately. It took about two seconds. I'm like, dad, someone, someone shot this deer. Look at, there's a graze mark across his back. And I'm like, that was you. Oh, geez. (laughs) There's a big, not a big cut, but there's a cut straight across his back. And, you know, it, it wasn't enough to really hinder him at all, but it was through the hide and a little bit of fat. And I'm like, holy smokes. And, and, and this is a point of time to reflect. I'm like, you know, I'm wondering if there's something weird that's messing with us on ranging these deer. Now I understand that you're not, you're not shooting at the distance of the hypotenuse here. You're, you're, you're shooting the, the range of the long leg of the triangle. Mm-hmm. So like Steve, you probably can kind of get that if you're elevated and, and you do the 90 <laughs> yeah. degree and 
but it's weird. And like, I've, I've told this to a lot of hunters and they're like, no, the, those deer ducked. Now I know this was important. When I pulled the trigger, I want a hundred percent know that I watched, I watched him duck into the arrow. The, the big eight absolutely dropped, jumped the string and I put it right dead center up and down. It was not by my design. I know he dropped. Now, I also aimed below him. If you recall, it was 55, and I put 50 at the bottom of his brisket, thinking this arrow isn't flying the way I think it should. And we are going to test our theory come spring about putting a target out there and seeing what's actually <laughs> happening. Mm-hmm. Because as I explained to some of these people, some of the, like some of the guys that are like, there's no way that deer dropped, I said... I, I told the w- one guy straight up, I said, I want you and your son to go, I don't care at what distance, I want you to take the hair off the back of deer. Can both of you do that in the, in, in the back-to-back sit, let alone do it in a season with an arrow? Me and my dad did that. At roughly the same distance, we took we took hair off their backs with arrows. <laughs> Could that have been, I mean, there's a point there that's like, there's coincidence. Then there's like, what the heck? That w- our point of aim was such that we were taking hair off their backs. But regardless, I got my dead deer. And, um, you know, we, we get it all tagged. We get it field dressed. And we, we take as best photos as we can. Bear in mind, <laughs> Bear in mind, my dad cannot kneel down with the new knees. He, um, It's also getting on the darker part of dusk at this time. And my iPhone was blinding me when it was doing its flashes. <laughs> we got as best photos as we could. We put it in our big otter sled, jet sled, whatever you want to call it. And we pulled that thing out with the buggy. And it's just, it was just this crazy story of that one just had to have been my deer. Everything that happened leading up to this crazy turn of event story, everything was against me except for whatever reason, autopilot kicked in. I aimed really low. I couldn't shoot him at 38. Instead, I shot him at 55. And for anyone, there were a few people that I shared this shared this story, not shared the end result to previous. That they're podcast listeners, and they they some of them are even uh, guests on the show. And um, it's a mainframe nine, a mainframe eight. It has a ninth point coming out of out of the right above its. Uh, like below the, uh, right at the base of the antler, had like actually two little devil horns, but one's right at an inch, the other one's like three quarters of an inch. Mainframe eight. And for anyone that's wondering, um, I I taped the deer out, just a rough score. I got 154 and change. Mm. And by, like, I don't want to say by far, but that beats my, my Kentucky 10 point by a couple inches, couple three inches. So not only was it my biggest PA deer, but it's also my personal best deer on a mainframe eight. 
So here's something that'll get you. I know Steve has a little thing he wants to add to this. So my one friend, Eric, puts us in a a team buck pool. And it's just, it's like a little local thing. It, it It's like 20 bucks a person. And I, I'm, I'm not huge on the big buck pool stuff, but he likes to do the team thing and he, he has, he has fun doing it. And I mean, I, I get a kick out of it too, but I don't make base decisions off of a buck pool. Let's just say this much. This buck pool is so big. Eric and I came in second last year. Okay. Second place. It paid out like twenty eight dollars a person. What? <laughs> we paid twenty bucks to join. <laughs> Jeez, was there like four people in this thing? <laughs> so it, it's just a fun little thing. It's not like a nationwide deal, but the guy that runs it scores the deer, and he's an official scorer for some some kind of. It, it's similar to Boone and Crockett, but it's not Boone and Crockett. But it they they score the same. And, you know, he kind of, he, he doesn't live far from me and he kind of understood that like the size of the deer. So he stopped over at the house to, to score this deer and it was the first deer in the buck pool. And I had all my measurements and stuff and he's measuring stuff and I'm, I'm watching him mark up his sheet and I'm like, man, what am I doing wrong? Our numbers are not matching a lot of the time. And, uh, he get done and he added everything up and he's like, uh, 144 inches. Jeez, this dude's I'm, like 10 inches off. I'm like, he's like, how'd that compare to yours? I said, man, we're off by a lot. And he's like, are you serious? Now, I measure for a living, okay? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, there's just no way that I'm off by 10 inches. And he goes, well, yeah. where do you think that the error? Let's, let's look at this. And I'm like, all of your mass circumferences are off by almost an inch. I'm not off an inch on a five-inch measurement, okay? <laughs> and I'm like, do you mind if I check your tape measure? And he was using, like, one of those, like, seamstress soft tapes. It was a little bit yeah. thinner. And he stretched it out on, on, on this table I had, and I hooked my, like, brand-new carpenter, like, style tape measure. Now... I use a lot more precise instruments than just this tape measure, but this was a brand new tape measure in the first six inches. He was off by three quarters of an inch. Jeez. My six inch measurement was his five and a quarter. Oh my. And you could see his soul leaving his body in his face. Yeah, how long has he been using this stupid tape measure? <laughs> and I'm like, he goes, Oh, we got to remeasure this. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, we do. <laughs> So wait a minute now. Was this thing like, was the tip of it off? Was it just a nylon that melted and shrunk or what? Over the years of him wrapping it for circumferences and pulling it tight, he stretched the tape. And because I was getting like my base measurements, I was getting like five and a quarter, five and three eighths. And he was down to like four, like four and a half. And I'm like, (laughs) what? And I'm like, this is going to kill me like for, for my score because it's eight circumferences. And I'm like, I'm off. Yeah. Well, I can't, 
This dude, so this dude's been using this for a long time and hasn't calibrated his tape measure. I don't, so I, I don't, I don't want to throw him under the bus because I could tell it was a genuine thing. Like, oh my gosh, okay, yeah, man. But at the same time, I think about because last year when I had can opener scored, I scored can opener in the low one hundreds, and he's like, oh, ninety five, and I'm like, whatever, dude, and and I, I just like, okay, whatever, we're still in second place, whatever, yeah. But the the big implication thing here that really could be is it wasn't like he he didn't know it. So if he was using a cable and a tape measure on one deer and then he used his soft tape on another deer, he can swing this by 10 inches. He, yeah. I mean, it would be a swing of a guaranteed five or six inches. Yeah. And... I think back, I'm like, oh, my gosh, how many years has he been measuring with this like that? But, I know, man, dude. That's that's a lot of money you could have been uh, ripped off of. Right. Uh, and Jeez. I, I guess if he kept everything consistent, it wouldn't matter so much. But Well, true. Right. I, I'm also I'm not going to go any further into this because I, I there are some other things that I, I want to bring up that are along the lines of this. But I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to talk any more about this tape measure right now. But nonetheless... It was retaped at 153 and change. So we were within nice. an inch, which puts us at what? Um, 10% is 15 inches. We're within 1% of each other. Yeah. So I feel a lot more comfortable there. Though I did. I still, what's that? I still like the controversy you blew up with this tooth tape measure. And you know, he's like, oh, man. I am going to tell you what I'm not going to tell on the thing after we after we finish oh, this show. That, <laughs> poor listeners, you'd be like, "What?" I'm I, I just I can't do it because I I just can't I can't put this one that far out there. I'm only <laughs> it, I'm only going to talk about what pertains to my deer, and it was corrected. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah. my, my photos. Getting back to my photos, were the best that that we could get given the circumstances. Um, this deer was known by many in the area, but the crazy thing was I look back on this deer. He could have been bedded right where he was at that. I saw him in August where he was, where I theorized he bedded for dad. Who knows? Those four wheeler dirt bikes could have booted him. He might've been trying to cross the road and they scared him. I don't know. Yeah. But the crazy thing was two sits Broad daylight, big mature buck. I'm going to put this buck probably around a six and a half year old. And I have very little history. He could have been the buck that, that we picked up his shed, which we named him kickstand last year because of this crazy time. Um, it's just like this, this story, like did this buck just relocate his home range because he liked what he saw late in the season? I have no idea, hmm. but Big, huge, giant buck, 11-inch twos, 26-inch mains. Anybody wants a photo, please reach out. I'll, I'll, I'm gladly share the photos. And speaking of photos, Steve, you want to wrap this one up? Well, Andy sends me. So I, I didn't know any of this story. I didn't know the fact that his dad scalped it four days earlier and he scalped a big six or any of that stuff. All I get is a picture. It's grainy. You can tell it's dark. And it's somewhat out of focus, and there's Andy with, like, zero smile on his face. I don't know what's <laughs> up with Andy. 
in his pictures, but he, he, he tries to take this stoic look all the time like he has no emotions. But he excuse me, sends me these photos, and obviously it's impressive, even if it's out of focus, how beautiful this deer was. But I'm, I'm like, making fun of him because he's not smiling. Because, you know, a lot of people are telling me that. He goes, is there any way, any way you can fix it? Now, I, I want to I talk about the no smile thing. Okay, let's, yeah, let's hear Okay, this so the no smile thing is something that I've been doing with my deer photos probably for the last eight to ten years. It's, I'm going to take this photo... And it's a weird thing because if I see someone overly smiling and overly happy at the same time, it's just like, man, I I get it. You're excited in the moment, but then it flips over to like, you just killed this beautiful animal again, reason to celebrate. But at the same time, you're like, Oh God, this thing was like really a cool thing. And like stories are coming to an end. Like there's a bitter sweetness that comes with it. So, I just kind of keep like this no smile, no frown, sh- just a straight look. But my these photos, my eyes were insane, like serial killer insane because of just... Yeah, they were. Be- because like people like, oh, why are you looking at that? I said, the flash was killing me. And they're like, what are you talking about? You can see he's good. I'm like, here, I want you to look at this photo where there was no flash. They're like, oh, it's blackout. And I'm like, yes, it was blackout like black when we got the photos. But so I just keep like this no smile trend going. And, you know, my wife's always like, why don't you ever smile? And I'm like, cause this is just what I do. And I start sending your previous year's photos. No smile, no smile, no smile, no smile. Yeah, dude. Okay. So let me give you advice. Change the trend. Don't worry about your animalistic spirituality or whatever you got going on. You got a dear a lifetime smile. I mean, I smile when when I see deer hit on the side of the road because it's less deer in my backyard. <laughs> if only that was my deer <laughs> splattered from this Kenworth. Yeah, I'm just happy they're not in my yard. The less deer in my yard, the better. So I'm happy always when I see one down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you go and do it in a sporting way, and then you got this look of depression. <laughs> not depression. It, it's it's the Stone Code killer. I'm like thousand-yard nah, stare. Yeah, so long story short, he's like, ah, uh, you know, Steve, is there, is there anything you can do to help this photo? Well, like, I'm no expert at Photoshop by any means. I just, I'm not. But I thought, I got, I got to try to do something. So I tried sharpening the image. Excuse me. I tried putting as much of the focus. The deer was out of focus. and It was just, it was almost too much, and, and the resolution was too bad to really do anything with. However, what I was able to do is I took the corners of his mouth and slightly swept them up. <laughs> so there's at least some element of joy, you know, coming through. I didn't fix his psycho eyes or anything, but no. at least uh, you also it's it's you took the tongue out of the photo, the deer's tongue. Oh yeah, the tongue was like sticking out, sloppy, and blood all over the place. I cleaned it up, made it family friendly, so it yeah. looks nice and ha- the deer looks happy, you know, peaceful. So yeah, the the funny thing was was that. The way the deer died, it was it, he died on a hill, and his feet were on the uphill side. His body was on the downhill side. So when it was sitting there, it was a double lung, and when you have a double lung and they're kind of sitting there like not living, you'll get like a little blood volcano coming out of 
the holes, just like air and stuff is, is moving in and out and mm. it's foaming up. And I've had a lot of people like, wow, you hit that deer high. I'm like, well, no, you can tell where I end, you know, where the arrow in, in the photo, it would have been where the arrow exited. But because the back of the deer was lower than its legs, the blood was running what would appear to be uphill, but it's, it, it actually, you had a little drip going gravity when it was running, but more of it was running towards its spine, which made it look like, hey, this thing was hit high. But you yeah. can actually see like the difference there if, if you're looking. So anybody wants a photo, like I said, I can uh, I can well, give you the edited and the non-edited version. <laughs> yeah, yeah I clean the blood up so you don't have to see where it got hit at all. Right, but I'm going to tell sense. you what, how you photo that up, that the, the exit hole, you can't even tell. Yeah. Like you don't even know that like, oh, what'd you find that thing on the road? Like No, it looks like you, you, you jumped them from a tree and strangled them. There's no blood at all. Right. It, it's amazing what you did there. But that is a it's it it's more eye appealing, but it's it's kinda less true to, to what actually happened. And uh <laughs> I, I have them all saved on my phone, so uh, the, the the more part that's less true is the actual factor you have a little smirk. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Little smirk. Oh man. So yeah, but awesome looking deer. Interesting story. Like I said, uh, I didn't know any of that, but the fact that you and your dad are skimming these deer consistently, that's amazing in itself. It is. And and like it this Ah, oh, I'm just gonna end the show here. I d I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but so <laughs> so that is the story. That is the story of the big eight, which could be the buck last year we named Kickstand, who I had two photos of and a good shed from. Again, if you guys want to see the photo of this shed, by all means, hit me up. I'll uh, I'll gladly share it. So, um, other than that, that's kind of my uh, that's our Thanksgiving show right now. Nice, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, and um, all right. Yeah. Big thanks, Fat AZ Musky Products, Muddy Creek Fishing Guide, St. Croix Rods, Ranger Boats, Vix Marine, and Aqua Traction. Also, don't forget the Musky Max Plus. It's coming up sooner than you think. They got Christmas stuff out already. We're Thanksgiving's in a couple days. It's going to yep. be here very quickly. So uh, mark your calendars. And uh, with that, everyone, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, have safe holidays. <laughs>